0: I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Expecto Patronum!
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing chapter 19, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. We have Molly back with us.
0: Hello it's everyone. A, it's been
1: a while since you've been on.
0: I know. It's like know. A, the night
1: bus chapter somewhere yeah, around there. So. Yeah,
0: it's been a hot minute. Yeah, it's
1: been a long time. So yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of takes and stuff like that I over all of the discussions. but
0: definitely do.
1: This chapter is pretty interesting. We just came off of... Uh, very marauders heavy chapters uh, kind of giving the history of uh, Lupin and James and Sirius and Peter um, big chapters even though one of them was only like a handful of pages long <laughs> but this chapter we ended the last chapter on a big Snape walks in and reveals himself in a as only Snape can in this overly dramatic.
0: Dun-dun-dun.
1: Yeah. And this chapter basically starts off with Snape announcing his presence and confronting Lupin and Sirius and having a back and forth with Hermione and Harry, which escalates to an aggressive level. <laughs> and uh, And then we get more from Sirius. Sirius really steps up and, and takes a more vocal role other than, you know, more than just one will die tonight and, you know, all of that gloom and uh, doom that he was portraying in the earlier chapters. So uh, we get a little bit more of Sirius. Uh, Lupin and Sirius try to piece together that night of Lily and James' death. Um, Lupin tries to piece it together. Sirius adds in some details. And then we really get the full story uh, with Peter a little bit. Peter is revealed. And he tries to get his way out of being punished by Sirius and Lupin. Mm-hmm. And then and then Lupin and Ron at the end kind of have a little uh, bonding moment after where they were in <laughs> one of the, the last chapters. So um, there is a lot going on in this, but Snape gets a good chunk of it. And, uh, you know, right off the bat, I just got to say there's... This is one of the reasons Julie and I say, don't leave things behind. Yep. And I get Harry was in a state and there was a lot going on, but he left the cloak behind and that's how Snape slid his way into the Shrieking Shack unnoticed. Yep. But Snape's an interesting character in this chapter, I feel like. Oh, for sure. He's a little deranged. (laughs) (laughs) He's not in his most logical, calm mind. No. And I think you'd get a sense of just how dangerous Snape can be. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes for Lupin immediately and disables Lupin. Yeah. And then he has this line after Sirius comes after him. He points his wand directly at Sirius's head and says, quote, give me a reason. Give me a reason to do it. And I swear I will. Yep. And Sirius stops cold in his tracks. Yeah, And doesn't make another step forward. A menacing, chilling line from Snape after he just disabled Lupin fairly easily. Yeah. What do you think about that line with Snape? What do you think about his early interactions with Lupin and Sirius here?
0: Um, You know, I think obviously things are very heated at this point. Um, There's a lot of, like, miscommunications and new findings that we're figuring out, um, I also underlined that too, because clearly these interactions, you're like, all right, yeah, like uh, these these people, this group of people, they do not get along. They do not intermingle well.
1: There's a little animosity here. Yeah. Uh, going it's all aggressive. the way back to their childhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, we see McGonagall doing magic. And we see some of the other professors, Flitwick, doing magic. But you don't really see Snape doing magic like that. He's in the potions room and he's, you know, brewing stuff. Right. Um, Here, I think Harry and Hermione and Ron are Mm -hmm. just like, oh, he he is a threatening presence when provoked.
0: And he's a talented wizard. Like, he's not just some schmo with potions. Like... You know, he's always wanted that defense against the dark arts. You know, right? Exactly. Position. Like he's a he's a talented wizard. So. He's
1: formidable in many different ways. Yeah. Um, he has some. Uh, obviously, he always gets annoyed by Hermione and Harry, mm-hmm. uh, pretty regularly. But here, he has a very short temper. He's already kind of off the reservation a little bit. <laughs> And he has some really sharp comebacks. The first one, he he goes, when Hermione tries to slow the process down, be like, let's take a step here. Mm -hmm. And he comes back at her with hold your tongue, which is clearly just a better way uh, of saying, you know, shut up. The British (laughs) way. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Saying shut up. (laughs) Yep.
1: Um, And then JK just hits the caps lock button. Yes. And goes all caps. Oh, yeah. And... The worst insult I think Snape could have given Hermione was "keep quiet, you stupid girl,"
2: yeah
1: which uh that's probably the worst thing you could probably say to Hermione.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, you know, goes, "Don't talk about what you don't understand," which they they understand, I think, more than Snape realizes at this point.
2: Mhm.
1: Uh because a I don't think he heard all of what Lupin has been saying and right. and what Lupin has told Harry in the past, but um there's obviously some 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 stuff going on with Snape right
0: now. Yeah. Lots of of, uh, emotions.
1: I did take note, though, because Harry also speaks up, not only Hermione. And it took Snape. We've talked many times on this podcast about Harry flying off the handle, not exactly thinking the most logically. Yes. Here, stunningly, Mm -hmm. in the presence of Snape, he comes and says something very calmly. Like, Professor Lupin could have killed me a hundred times this year. I've been alone with him a hundred, uh, loads of times. You know, defensive lessons against the Dementors. Mm-hmm. If he was helping Black, why didn't he just finish me off during one of those? Right. Calm, logical, well presented argument. Mm-hmm. Snape doesn't even really come back all that harshly. It's just don't ask me to fathom the way a werewolf's mind works. Get out of the way, Potter. Mm-hmm. Like, not all caps, just right. like a whatever, just a dismissive right. thing. Right. Then Harry flips to like a hundred from like zero to a hundred real quick. And JK hits the all caps button again and goes, you're pathetic. Harry yelled (laughs) just because they made a fool of you at school. You won't even listen. Yeah. (laughs) aggressive. (laughs) It's very
0: like. It goes from zero to a hundred. Lots of emotions happening. Wow.
1: Like I almost got whiplash from that change in tone. Right. It's insane. Uh, To which Snape. Shockingly, replied silence. I will not be spoken to like that, which I feel like is any adult's response to oh, for sure. a child throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, you know, a temper tantrum sounds like I'm dismissing this whole. Yeah, obviously Harry's invested in this to a deeper level. Right, but when you just go from like calm voice to all of a sudden you're screaming at me, it's like child. Right, <laughs> like you right.
0: right, tone it down a bit.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. I just noticed that Harry for once is actually calm and it only lasted, like, three sentences.
0: Right. Yes. Calm, calm, calm.
1: Ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know that Harry really... He's so biased against Snape, for good reason. Right. Like, I don't think he's able to see a lot of where Snape's coming from in this. Mm-hmm. Um... Nor should he. He's a thirteen-year-old kid.
0: Plus, he only knows what he knows, and yeah. you know, also too. I mean, if like it's an argument, it's a it's a. Um,
1: they made a fool of you at school. They almost got you right. killed that one time. But get right. over that. Like, <laughs> yeah. put
0: on the fact that he's yeah. like thirteen years old. Yeah. Like, and it's an argument. Like, most of the time, people will say things that they don't always aren't clear-headed with thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, so not that I'm like defend... I don't know. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, Snape is obviously in an aggressive state of mind here. Yeah. And he's lost a little bit of his usual calm and controlled demeanor. Right. And I guess Harry's just mimicking that, almost, to a level. And going back at it with the same level of... (laughs) Right. But anyway. um,
0: Last, like three chapters, yeah, like three chapters. It's all very much like a roller coaster that you're just on.
1: (laughs) Very much so, yeah.
0: You
1: know? Very much. And people that have watched the movie, because I know Anna hates the movie. I know most Harry Potter book fans hate the movie because they cut out a lot of Lupin, specifically, his dialogue. They do some of this word for word. Yeah. But more the dramatic like Mm one-liners they do word for word like ron and and sirius have good one-liners but they cut a lot of lupin's monologues out of this the the you know for lack of a better term like the exposition dumps yes Uh, and obviously that's a lot of the marauder information and it's a lot of background that you get which a lot of people just love the marauders uh and want that information included.
2: And <laughs> exactly. For
1: people that don't even watch the movies, you don't know that background then. Right. Which is a shame. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Anyway, so Snape ends up getting hit <clears throat> by his the spell that he taught them. Mm-hmm. If we remember that from the Dueling Club way back in Chamber of Secrets. Harry hits him with Expelliarmus, but not only him. Uh, Ron and Hermione also hit Snape with the Expelliarmus spell sending him crashing into a wall yeah and being unconscious which opens up the floor now for lupin and sirius to have uh the floor Mm -hmm. uh if you will and essentially they're like this is stupid Mm
2: -hmm.
1: let's just prove this to you once and for all yeah like Give me the rat, and we'll prove to you that it's Peter. And if it's not Peter, then the rat's going to be fine. Right. And we'll just go about our business and bring right. Sirius back to the castle. Right. So, they do. They describe this, uh, JK describes this uh, somewhat grotesque transformation of Peter back into a human.
0: Oh, it's so gross. Like, I, when I was rereading it, I was like, ooh. Like, she really did a good job of, like displaying and describing like his personality and like Mm -hmm. human form
1: yeah we had kind of discussed um in the last episode where anna's talking about animagus Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: how so much of you and who you are as a person goes into what animagus you are yeah and then i questioned her on well if one works like that, why couldn't the thing that you become also have such of an impact on you? So, for example, he becomes a rat. Yeah. And then is a rat for 12 years. Right. That's gotta, like, change you in a way. Oh, To be in your animagus form for such an insanely long period of time. Oh, yeah. That has to also change a little bit of who you are and the squeaky voice that J.K. describes, I imagine, I don't, I'm not saying he had, like, a deep, full voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But maybe squeakier after being a mouse for 12 years. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it it leaves, and obviously he's been stressed, and the rats lost hair and become thinner, which right. they describe. I, there was a cool description of, like, right. a plump man that's clearly lost a lot of weight in a short amount of time. Right. Look, I'm like, that's an interesting description
0: i wonder though in those 12 years like if he ever was just like man i just got to change back in a human form and like went off somewhere and was like oh okay yeah cracked his back and then went back into Uh,
1: if i were him i would have right i mean
0: sorry totally random thought
1: yeah to just go out back (laughs) of the the weasley house and chill with the gnomes and like (laughs) stretch your legs kick a couple of gnomes it's all good you think he would have found that time. It sounds like he didn't, though. I mean, the way they portray it is...
0: He's a rat for 12 years.
1: 12 years years straight.
0: So, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. You're going to probably take on some of those rat characteristics.
1: Yeah. The the one that stuck out to me was just a squeaky voice. Mm -hmm. I'm like, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So Lupin and Sirius start to piece together how the night went of Lily and James' death. And uh, Pettigrew is... Trying to twist the story, and I, honestly, I think he does a really good job. Pressed against his back against the wall here. Yeah. I think he does a good job of trying to figure out ways to explain his way out of it.
2: Yeah.
1: Even though he's running up against roadblocks like every time he says something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like he gets disproved by Lupin or Sirius or Harry or Hermione or whoever almost constantly throughout this whole thing, but he tries to keep spinning something Mm -hmm. and make it seem reasonable. Uh, And he touched on a couple of things that we've talked about before in the podcast of, like, guys, you don't understand back then. Like, when Voldemort knocks on your door, you know, that's a whole vibe (laughs) that, you know, Sirius comes back at him with, like, well, you just, you had to die. Right. Like, if he knocks on your door... Okay, right. die and go down a hero right. that people end up talking about, like in future years, instead of taking the "quote unquote" easier way out.
2: Yeah,
1: and I, I feel like that interaction—it's a great interaction—and it shows Sirius in a brave, full Gryffindor light.
0: Loyal, yeah,
1: yeah. It it shows Sirius and probably. The light that everybody wants someone to react in. Right. And it makes Peter look terrible. Horrible. All I would say to that is, you never know what your response is going to be when that moment arrives. Yes. You hope, everyone hopes they react like Sirius would. Right. Fear can manipulate your reaction to a a level that you never knew possible. Right. And and fear was already there. It didn't even take Voldemort to knock on your door, like we've talked about. Uh, The fear was spreading throughout the country for weeks and months and years at this point. And then he actually shows up. Yeah. (laughs) Like, all I'm saying is you, you would like to think, I think everybody would like to think they would react like Sirius.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's just, you don't know until you know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I mean plus two like if your life is at stake, I think our human instinct is survive. survive. Yeah. So yeah. you know like again, I would hope I would act like serious Same. and protect my friends and my family Same. and everything, but I don't know. Plus two, I mean uh we you guys have talked about it in previous podcasts like we don't know, too, like, the full dynamic of how Peter was with, you know, the other marauders. Um, you know, especially if those three, and, um, like, Sirius and uh, Jane's being standouts, like, there could have been a jealousy aspect of that in there. Um, sure. I know you guys have touched on that before. You know, I kind of equate it to almost sometimes with the, the stuff that happens between Harry and Ron and the jealousy factor with that. Um, you okay. know, like who knows, like maybe if Peter Pegree stood in front of the mirror, you know, would he see you know himself Ooh. holding the Quidditch cup and being head boy and you know all all of that in entangled. So, you know, um he's he, I think he's more of an in-depth villain than we. Tend to give him credit for.
1: I I love our discussions on Pettigrew because I think he is a more nuanced character than a lot to give him credit for.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I that doesn't mean to say we're giving him a pass. No, <laughs> on his no, prior no. Transgressions. Absolutely
0: not. He's still a rat.
1: Yeah. He's he's still he still did awful awful things. Betrayed his friends.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, terrible terrible things. No one's letting him off the hook for that. But. Um, that interaction between him and Sirius, right there, it, it, I thought it was a great interaction, and I believe Sirius would have followed through on that. Oh yeah. But if if you're in the wizarding world at that time, and you just go to an average wizard's house, not a member of the Order of the Phoenix,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you ask them, <laughs> "Are you gonna die for your friend, or are you going to give him up?" I don't know that a majority of them would die. Right. I think some would.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and it's just, and it's not because you're innately a horrible person. Right. You're just, like you said, trying to survive. You're trying to get to the next day, which exactly. is your base human instinct. Right. Uh, Not even human instinct. It's right. the base instinct of all living things.
0: Well, I mean, I'm taking this a dark, weird turn. Sorry. Go for it. I mean, it. like even in the military, you know, like people get tortured over trying to give information, sure. and like there's an aspect of that where like you train for that. You know, most people are not yeah. trained to deal with these kinds of situations. No,
1: it's a great point. It's like that's <laughs> a difference between the order and maybe like right. the average household. Exactly. In England at the time, yes, Lupin and Sirius might be more apt. Two to five Voldemort. That's literally their job right now. Right. Others might not be.
0: Right.
1: And it's not because they want to be a Death Eater. It's because they just want to get to the next day. Yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting interaction between the two of them is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I got to mention Crookshanks. Everybody's going to be mad at me if I don't mention (laughs) the Crookshanks aspect of it. Uh, Sirius goes into uh, that Crookshanks is an extremely smart cat. And could see through uh, the disguise Mm -hmm. of Peter and himself and realize that neither of us were what we presented ourselves as being. And uh, by the way, this is all a shock to Hermione. Like Hermione's learning a lot right now. (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure Ron is like, I told her. Um, (laughs) But Sirius says that he, quote, found a way to communicate with Crookshanks. Which I feel like is an interesting phrasing. Yeah. Uh, Because, uh, you know, Anna said that maybe the fact that he was more holy dog Mm -hmm. than we think being an animagus, maybe that was his way of communicating. But then it gets into the like, well, can a dog actually communicate with a cat? Yeah. Like, how does animal communication really work between species?
0: Okay, so looking in human world, right, like Mm -hmm. in the world we live in, like, body language is a big part of how animals communicate. Sure. Like, I mean, with like my dog. Yeah. Like, they're big on body language. Like, they can tell when you're upset, they can tell when you're angry, they can tell when you're happy. Um, For some odd reason, Odin always knows, even when I'm just changing my shoes, whether or not we're going for a walk. You know, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure there's some aspect of that, but also, too, they're in a magical world. Right. So there's more possibilities of uh, maybe abilities to communicate. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder how he (laughs) got across like rat. Right. Right. Bad, want it. Yeah. (laughs) That thing. Can you get me that? I need it. (laughs)
0: Um, Bad dude.
1: Or, like, the the Neville passwords. Like, how does he get across, like, I want to get in there. Right. Get me specifically passwords.
0: Right. Or maybe,
1: like, Crookshanks was just like, okay, he wants to get into the school to get this rat. Right. I'll need to get him these. Right. Um, but yeah, that was some news dropped that Crookshanks right. was the one that stole Neville's passwords from his bedside. Right. Uh, yeah. Poor Neville.
0: I, but Okay, so again, this just makes me wish too sometimes that we could read animals' minds and know what they're thinking. And Totally random, I know. Yeah.
1: know. Uh, we get the news that Sirius still blames himself for Lily and James' death.
0: That was heartbreaking.
1: Because he, and the word he uses here is specific, he quote, persuaded them. to switch secret keepers. So we've talked a little bit about how, you know, Lily and James always obviously have the final say Mm -hmm. in it. So it's not like they were completely, they approved it. Yeah. But Sirius obviously took a leading role in eventually what would cause their death. Um, so he blamed himself quite, quite a lot for that. Uh, just him outsmarting himself. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a bluff and Voldemort called him on it. (laughs) And it just, you know, you know if Sirius could do it all over again. You just remain that way and then just take the take the death. But then you're playing a what if now. Like what if Sirius kept it Mm -hmm. and Voldemort shows up at his doorstep and let's say Sirius dies how does the rest of it Play out from there. Right. It uh, is. Well, Pettigrew was already a spy at that point. Yeah. So it. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of back and forth. But. Yeah. Anyway, we find out that uh, Sirius has some insider information on Peter. (laughs) Uh, His time spent in Azkaban meant he heard a bunch of death, actual Death Eaters talking, and they all wanted Peter, and they all wanted to kill Peter because they feel like the double cross are double crossed. Yeah. And yes, James and Lily died but they feel as though Peter used them as a sacrifice to bring down the Dark Lord. So um, Peter's really on an island here. There's not one person that wants him healthy and happy. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: there's no, and maybe this is that's why they I guess they suggest that he's been a a rat for 12 years is because there's still Death Eaters out there Mm -hmm. that would be on the lookout for him Um, so
0: you know what though that is kind of an interesting take though like he outs where Lily and James are but in the end it sends Voldemort into hiding for 12 years and there is some peace like that is an interesting take never really that never really crossed my mind what if like his intentions were i mean obviously they didn't know that there would be a deeper love magic in that with protecting
1: yeah you can't predict that yeah
0: right but it is kind of interesting that that did end up happening and that was the conclusion that some of them were drawn to
1: with Peter's ability to spin a story like he's trying to do in this chapter. Yeah. If you were Peter.
0: Right.
1: Would you try to spin the story back that day? Right. Of like, yeah, I was the secret keeper. And yeah, I did this. But look at where we are now. Yeah. It's one sacrifice. Right. Or two sacrifices. Two sacrifices. But... It's a much happier world that we're now living in. Right. Do you sacrifice two people to end, essentially, like, right. a, a war?
0: Right.
1: When multiple people have already died, anyway.
0: Right. Like um, using that information to your advantage. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Do you try to spin it if you're Peter at that point? Right. But then, you again, you still have Death Eaters that would... Kill you, yeah. Try to kill you.
0: Right. Either way, you're...
1: You're in trouble. Yeah. And then you have Sirius and Lupin that would be like, uh, you still... Gave up our best friends. Right. Like, Peter was in a lose-lose situation. 100%. But uh, it'd be interesting to see if he tried to spin that story. Right. And try to squirm out of it that way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Maybe he gets a little bit more slack. Maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Still a
2: rat.
1: Still a rat. (laughs) Uh, I did find it interesting in all of this discussion that they're having, because we found it interesting in the past... People who use the name Voldemort are few and far between. Yeah. And Lupin, Sirius, both use it uh, liberally. They have zero qualms about saying the name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, which I guess just gives you an insight to their courage about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter starts off with He Who Must Not Be Named, which I feel like is an, also an interesting tell. Because he doesn't say the Dark Lord. Right. He says Hugh must not be named, which I feel like is an interesting tell right there. Yes. And then the second bit, uh, he finally relents. And the second time he says it, he does say Voldemort. Mm -hmm. So he's also willing to use it, which I find interesting. Because there aren't many that have gotten that close to Voldemort that are comfortable saying the name Voldemort. Right. So that's kind of an interesting
0: Oh, for sure, it's him trying to be manipulative, you know? He's probably like, oh wait, they don't say he who must not be named, or the Dark Lord, like, they say Voldemort, like, he's quick on his toes to be like...
1: Could be another survival tactic that he's using. Yeah, Could be. That'd be an interesting... I mean, I shouldn't be surprised if he is trying to switch uh, tactics, like, mid-conversation, be like, oh, this is how this is trending, let me go that way.
0: Very opportunistic.
1: Yes. Peter I'm finding has characteristics of Gryffindors obviously because he was one
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Oh yeah. Like he has a little bit of all three which all three of the houses do tend to bleed into each other a little bit. But there's definitely some aspects of, of Ravenclaw and Slytherin in him to be like picking up on where this is going and trying to yeah it's interesting zero hufflepuff in him yes i think that's uh (laughs) that would be a fair assessment to make. anyway uh i love how hermione bless her tries to get in on this conversation i know the guts that you'd even have to open your mouth while all three of these wizards are trying to figure it out
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and she's just like professor lupin uh can i say something Lupin is just like
2: yes yes you
1: can like in that tone like I just picture him being like yes Hermione go ahead
0: I heard like hands raised in class (laughs)
1: you may speak yes it's just like wow um it is an interesting like it almost feels like that's a disconnected conversation <laughs> from everything else going around. it.
0: I just love how it just kind of follows like a real argument between people, though, you know, like it like arguments ebb and flow, and this I feel like obviously ebbs and flows. and mm-hmm. you know, you have moments where it's like, okay, we're calm. <laughs> no, we're not.
1: <laughs> I do like where she goes with it, though, because she mentions like, you know, Scabbers has been a rat for 12 years. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How does Sirius know that A, it exists, Mm -hmm. and B, which rat out of the (laughs) millions of rats there are, which one? And Lupin actually takes a step back and he's like, actually, that's a good question. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's a fair point. Sirius, you want to explain that one? Right. I just see a lot of my own mannerisms in Lupin. (laughs)
0: Like, I feel like
1: actually that's a fair question can, fair point. Can, we, can we figure that one out Yeah. and then Sirius kind of goes into this uh, monologue of uh, seeing the paper that Fudge which was mentioned by the way 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 back when Fudge was speaking uh, about giving him like the crossword puzzle or something yeah. like that little tidbit way in the, the past that we're now bringing back up again but okay. he sees the paper he sees a picture of the Weasley family notices the rat notices the rat is missing a uh a toe on one of the paws immediately puts it into uh context because of course peter would want to be near a wizarding family to keep his ear to the ground on anything death eater or voldy related especially when one of those members of the family works at the ministry of magic Mm -hmm. so uh again peter being you know Resourceful, I guess, in, in a sense, and then it lights a fire in Sirius that he hadn't had.
2: Yeah.
1: But he talks about like he talks about that fire being lit, which mm-hmm. the Dementors couldn't take from him because it's not necessarily a happy thought. <laughs> it's him. It's an. No. He called it an obsession. Yeah. Uh, which is where he gets the. He's at Hogwarts. He's at Hogwarts mantra. Right. And then he says he escaped Azkaban um, because he never truly lost his mind. Uh, And he says it was specifically because he knew he was innocent. Yeah. Which also was not a happy thought. So they couldn't take that from him either. So the Dementors really had nothing to actually take from Sirius. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And he was able to withstand or endure. And when it got too much for him, he would always switch back into his Animagus form because Dementors can't pick up on animals as well or as easily. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is how he then escaped when they brought him food. He slipped out as the dog, slipped between the bars, which stuns me. Yeah. Because if you're as big of a dog as we think you are, how are you slipping between the bars? bars? I get he's like malnourished and smaller, right. but still. And then the other part that got me was he swam back to land as a dog.
0: That's impressive. That's a
1: long doggy paddle.
0: That is a <laughs> like... long doggy paddle.
1: And nothing like—I'm sorry—the only image I have of Azkaban is literally the the few shots that they give us in the movies. It looks like Alcatraz times a thousand. Yes, a long swim. A long, very dangerous swim. And part of the—and this was obviously modeled, I think, after Alcatraz a little bit. And Alcatraz is known as an inescapable prison because of currents in the in the bay and in the ocean. And sharks in the bay and in the ocean, and he's just, just chilling along. So, um, I'm thinking
0: about him being malnourished and, like, mm-hmm. doing all that work.
1: hmm
0: Holy cow.
1: He didn't even hit, grab the meal on the way out. Yeah. He just left. Yeah. Unbelievable. I know. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but he dumps a lot of knowledge on how to escape Azkaban right there. Yeah. Not an easy feat, but he managed it. Um,
0: I hope you know, too, all I'm thinking about is Odin swimming.
1: I figured, yeah. And, and I mean, the, like, Odin being uh, the uh, black lab that he is. And the uh, water dog. Yeah. Next time you go to, like, a forest preserve, right? and he jumps in the water, you could, like, time him. Right. And we could just run an experiment, and it'd be great.
0: Yes. We'll figure it out.
1: How fast does Odin swim? And then we'll just extrapolate it. Right. And, it and we'll just great.
0: be like, yeah, that's how fast Sirius swims.
1: Clearly. Yep. Yep. So- <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping up the chapter here, Lupin... I, I still think Forgive serious real, real quick mm-hmm. on uh, the whole fact that everybody thought Lupin himself was the spy.
2: Yeah.
1: I feel like that's a quick apology, uh, but I guess they trade apologies here. Because yeah. it's like, hey, sorry, we thought you were the spy. Uh it's okay. Sorry, I thought you were a murderer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, let's go on about our ways.
0: It all goes down really fast.
1: It does. It's a yeah. very... Like, Lupin, bless him, he takes in a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and is expected to deal with a lot yeah. in very short, brief moments. He's not allowed time to process.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So I, it's a miracle that he's as cool with this as he is. Yeah. Ron, I think, says the quote that we are all thinking throughout. Uh, the ones who have read this book and read the series, he finally utters the quote that I think every one of us... Rereading this series has thought, I let him sleep in my bed. Yeah, like Ron was sleeping with Peter Pettigrew for like years. <laughs> like, and every time we would see a phrase of of like Scabbers is in Ron's lap or something like that, we would read it as Peter Pettigrew is sitting in Ron's lap right now. It was very creepy. And Ron finally utters that, whoa, dude, this was really creepy. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's disturbing on mm-hmm. a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. And now all of you who are reading this for the first time are now fully aware of that creepiness. Not a spoiler anymore. It is what it is. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah, just wrap your head around that for a second. Yes. And then uh, you and I are both in healthcare professions. Mm-hmm. Um, after all of this kind of simmers down. Ron allows Lupin to kind of come over and address the leg, which yeah. he tried to do earlier, but Ron threw him to the side of, like, you're a werewolf, get away from me. Right. Uh, which I think we wanted to talk about a little bit more. But this time, things are a little bit more clear. Ron is still upset more at Pettigrew of anything else. So right. Lupin comes over and uses the spell Furlula. Yeah, Furlula. yeah. Furula. 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 I don't know I can't say it I would be bad at this um but he uses that spell to bandage Ron's legs bandages come out and attaches it to a splint yeah um I know I, I I'm more in a field setting uh I would love that yeah that would make my life so much easier I know I
0: underlined that because I saw that and I'm like oh man I bet you Dan oh, was so jealous of this so spell. so jealous so jealous oh my gosh
1: Anyway, let's pause here for a second, and we'll get into uh, some spoilers. Uh, I think you had th- some thoughts on the werewolf thing. Uh, so we'll get into those in the spoilers. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back.
2: You! You foul loathsome, evil little cockroach!
1: All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 19, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. And I think Molly had some werewolf takes.
0: I do. this episode, you guys have discussed werewolves. Um, Y'all know that I am a big Molly Weasley, Weasley family and general fan. Um, And I can see where, you know, there can be some prejudice towards werewolves considering what they can do, how dangerous they can be in terms of how they go about things. Take a look at the dangerous ones that come from Lord Voldemort's team. You know, bites little children, turns little children into werewolves. Um, yeah, as a mom, I would probably be like, yeah, stay away from werewolves.
1: You're telling me. Uh, you're telling me, Grayback is not a wonderful, kind werewolf human being combo. That's, you know, that's a hot take, Molly. I don't know that we can condone such.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so as a mother, you know, and especially with how Molly Weasley is with her children and being so protective of her kids, I think most of what comes through to me with Molly Weasley is just how protective she is over her kids. She's a mama bear. So, you know, she she wants the best for her kids. Um and she wants, I'm sure, for her kids to be accepted within society and, you know, again, is every werewolf a bad werewolf? No, but there are a lot of them out there. Um, I can fully understand Ron at first finding out that Lupin is a werewolf being like, uh, yeah, no, uh, get away from me. Like, I don't know if you're gonna like, bite me or whatever. There's
1: definitely a stereotype and a stigma that goes along with werewolf. Yes. Yeah. I have done some research myself on werewolves and Remus Lupin, um, because, I mean, this is the book to do both. Right. (laughs) So. Right. So werewolves are known to particularly go after humans, not animals, which, again, would track with the Animagus thing and their plan to be Animagus for and specifically um, muggles uh, usually die from werewolf bites Yeah. wizards and witches can die but are more apt to surviving a bite hence the propagation of more and more werewolves that's how they quote unquote breed for the most part although fun fact you know what fun fact I did find about werewolves so if two werewolves were to meet and mate during a full moon. Yeah. Supposedly. And this is from the Wizarding World. I'm not making this up. Like, this is from a Harry Potter source. Okay. They would produce cubs. Like, wolf cubs.
0: Oh, wow. Not human
1: at all in any way, shape, or form. Just straight up wolf cubs.
0: Oh.
1: And the only... And not werewolves. Yeah. Like, wolf.
0: Yeah.
1: And the only discernible difference between those wolf cubs and actual wolves is just the wolf cubs would have a higher level of intelligence. Like a near human intelligence level. Yeah. Which is a scary thought anyway like wolves with (laughs) like a human intelligence.
0: Right.
1: Uh, That's the only discernible difference. And it's rumored that Dumbledore actually let uh, cubs of that ilk being born to two werewolves meeting and mating on a full moon Yeah. into the Forbidden Forest. And there's a set of those cubs in the Forbidden Forest. That's
0: awesome. Which
1: has led credence to the werewolves, quote unquote, even though that's not technically true in the Forbidden Forest.
0: Huh. That's really fascinating information.
1: Yep. It's an exceedingly rare thing. Yes. But according to the Wizarding World, it has happened. Yes. And it's a thing.
0: Can I have a pet wolf cub?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We, we can we can work on finding two werewolves and, and getting that done. You can adopt a werewolf it cub. It
0: doesn't sound dangerous at all.
1: I would hope that the werewolf would give birth as a werewolf, because that would be some right. messed up right. messed up stuff. Yeah.
0: And I guess I wouldn't really want them, like, I don't know. Pets. I, this is the Newt Scamander in me. I'm like, yeah. hmm, I want to meet these now, wolf cubs.
1: Uh, That was a random offshoot tangent. Uh, But fun fact for you guys. Um, But as far as Lupin goes, and to your point about um, the stigma or the stereotype behind werewolves, there was... So Lupin's father, uh, who I believe his name is Lyle, L-Y-A-L-L, Lupin, Okay. uh, was actually a gifted wizard in his own right who actually was an expert on... Magical creatures I'm blanking On what the term For the magical creature was But Ooh. let's Let's think about Like uh, Like poltergeists Boggarts Yeah And there was One other one That he threw in there And I can't remember Off the top of my head But those types of entities Which also would indicate That Boggart Is more of a spirit Yeah Than a creature
0: Okay
1: uh, Which might Be the reason why It taps into fears So well in the yeah. psyche But anyway he was particularly known for dealing with Welsh boggarts. Mm. And he was an expert at it. Yeah. He was known for it. And when Voldemort was on the rise, he was asked to be part of the Ministry of Magic. He was offered a job in the Department of Regulation of Magical Creatures, whatever. Mm. and Because obviously Voldemort was recruiting creatures of dark natures, including boggarts and dementors and other things like that. So he was asked to take part in it. Well, as a part of that section of the ministry... He came across Fenrir Greyback, uh, who was arrested for the potential murder of two Muggle children. Yeah. He, Greyback, supposedly argued uh, that he was stunned to be in the wizarding world. He was stunned that this even existed, and wizards and witches are a thing, and oh my gosh, this is sensational. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Well his shabby appearance and the fact that he didn't actually possess a wand made the ministry believe him that he wasn't a wizard really so they were about to let him go and lyle was in the room and his expertise on magical creatures and that of dark nature he was in the room and he was like what are you talking about there's a full moon like not 24 hours from now let's just hold him and see if he transforms done and done and they're like, no, nah, I think we're good. And Lyle was like, are you kidding me? If he's a werewolf, they're deranged, they're sadistic, they're murderous, they're blah, blah, blah. And he went off on this trail yeah. of negative characteristics of werewolves. Yeah. Grayback's listening to all of this in the room. And they the Ministry overrules Lyle, lets Grayback go. Grayback goes back to his coven of werewolves and is like, <laughs> this guy, in the ministry was saying all this stuff about us yeah. and how we're not human and how we're soulless evil beings. Let's show him how soulless and evil we can be then. Yeah. If he's gonna depict us like that, let's make him right.
2: Yeah.
1: What happened? Grayback breaks into Remus's room right before his fifth birthday, bites him, wanted to kill him, Lyle broke in Blasted Grayback out of the room. Mm-hmm. Too late. Yeah, and that's how Lupin became aware of. That's the back history of why specifically Grayback targeted Remus oh, as God. a child.
0: I didn't, yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, um, but to that the that stigma and that stereotype, uh, because the the reality of it is obviously, except for a couple of days in and around the full moon they're just normal average people yes they could be murderous mm-hmm. but if they're murderous they're probably murderous before they turn into a werewolf anyway
2: right
1: uh like Greyback, for example right uh but if they're not like lupin like remus um yeah they turn murderous in right. those in that full moon time but generally they're just nice regular people right um which Greyback knew and he's like wow this guy's portraying us as this that or whatever he's perpetuating the stereotype of all werewolves we'll show him what we can do then
2: yeah
1: um so that's an example and then lyle you know went on and remembered that interaction with grayback he's like i did this yeah because i called him all of those things in that room and then he targeted my son right that's that's my bad so
0: gut-wrenching yeah yeah. So it,
1: it's an interesting story about the whole stereotype background of it. So even Lyle, who knows what werewolves are, still had that stigma and that stereotype.
0: Right.
1: If an educated individual like that knew, and I'm not saying like Molly's not educated, she obviously is, but yeah. the normal witch or wizard will probably just lean into those stereotypes oh, and stigmas sure. and not realize that people like Remus exist yeah. that are... That can produce productive lives in the wizarding world outside of a couple of days of right. a month right? Um, and like there were things supposedly put in play I'm sorry I'm going off on a whole no, tangent No I
0: appreciate on... it because it's you know enlightening me.
1: There was uh, there was supposedly the Ministry of Magic tried to put things in place mm-hmm. to help werewolves during their transition and um, they tried like a couple of different, uh, sects of the government to help, including like where I there's an actual name for it and I'll get it on the next podcast. I promise. But, um, or the next one, next one, I'll get it on there. But, uh, it was like essentially a werewolf hotline. Oh. Like you can call and be yeah. like, and help the transition process and like call and get help through it. Almost like a therapy.
2: Right.
1: Here's the one drawback. Most people had stereotypes and stigmas of this wouldn't hire you, wouldn't talk to you, you'd be a outcast of society. So who signed up for these things? No one. Right. <laughs> no one would admit yeah. to being a werewolf because they'd right. be stigmatized. Right. So no one helped no yeah. one signed up for the help.
2: Yeah.
1: And they I think one of the programs completely fell through. And yeah. then one of the programs is I think still technically part of the Department for Regulation of Right. Things. So Right. And
2: yeah.
1: then they had an issue apparently at one point, do we classify werewolves as beasts mm-hmm. or beings which i think is the same thing as like centaurs go through are you a beast or are you a being yeah right <laughs> so right. and they couldn't I, I don't think as far as i know the ministry would have come up with an answer to that question as of this book
0: right yeah it's a complicated topic for sure
1: that's a long rant on werewolves no
0: it's the more you know the more you know I can understand
1: you understand where the stigma is coming from, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's totally fair, and I get how I get Anna's point on Molly does lean into the tabloid side of things, like she does buy into like Lockhart.
0: Oh yeah.
1: You know, completely. Right. And a couple other things like that. Right. I could see she's her buying head. into that. Yeah.
0: Wizard.
1: But she's far <laughs> yeah. from the only one. Right. Um, And werewolves are scary. Yeah. And I think, you know, Anna and I talked about she does go through a development process. We don't really ever know if she's still cautious around Remus, I guess. I don't know how cautious she ever is around Remus. I don't. But she obviously spends a lot of time around him.
0: Yeah. I think, too, it's just like it's, it's never for sure mentioned that molly weasley has these stigmas about werewolves i think too that was the other issue you know like i don't ever remember a time where molly has been like hey werewolves i mean obviously yes ron is you know probably coming up with these opinions and these ideas from his parents you know um
1: you got to get them from somewhere
0: yeah exactly and growing
1: up in a wizarding family they're probably and who knows i mean wizarding media yeah like shows and stuff probably don't do any better job of depicting werewolves in a a great you know exactly in a great light so
0: so but from a like i'm not a mother um but like from a mother's perspective i could you know understand being like, yeah, no, stay away from that. Like, that's not... That's, that's scary.
1: Well, sure. I mean, especially when you know that they target children. wizard children. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um,
0: Again, not saying that all werewolves are bad.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's like, I guess it's, like I said, like a form of breeding in a way where they do that out of instinct to create more of them. Right. So... Greyback is a special case where he is specifically doing it maliciously, and it's talked about, like, he puts himself in specific situations. He, like, I'm going to turn this day, let me go to a zoo or something like that, where I have the most potential to do the most damage.
0: Right. And, I mean, if you think about it that way, it's like that, okay, if you put it into, like, a media, news, real-world type of scenario, you know, um, this is not, like, this is not the norm, right? This being advertised that, like, hey, all werewolves are, like, gray back. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So, there's that aspect of it, too.
1: There's a lot. We just talked a lot about werewolves. We did. Do you have anything else on werewolves? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, um,
0: I feel like I shared way more opinions than I really thought I had too So, Yeah, I,
1: I'm, yeah. Um, everybody else does deep dives on this podcast And I figured I'd try to do one on werewolves and, mm, and renos I
0: thought that was excellent, I really enjoyed that It was fun hearing a deep dive from you I know, right? Yeah.
1: I, I, I'm capable of doing a deep dive <laughs> The other thing I wanted to get to from this chapter Especially, and this is a spoiler of spoilers Snape. Yeah. So I'm going to start this off because I know people are going to get all riled up and it's, (laughs) oh, Dan is saying stuff again on the podcast. (laughs) I know, I know. So I'm going to preface this by saying (laughs) Snape is obviously under uh, a certain type of mindset in this chapter. He's a little deranged. Mm -hmm. He's a little over the top. He's a little dramatic. Mm -hmm. All of the above. Mm -hmm. He is not his calm cool collected self that he normally is as vindictive as he is yes. he's usually still calm reserved and calculating mm-hmm. he's not any of those in this chapter
2: yeah.
1: that all being said we know where this character goes and we know what his motivations are uh, which are revealed in the last book uh, to the dismay of many <laughs> <laughs> many disagree agree whatever <laughs> But it always, it always comes down to the always part of it. Yeah. Uh, my point being, just to get straight to the point, I think Snape, yes, he has, believe me, he has selfish motivations here. Yeah. He has vindictive, selfish motivations, yes. Yes. That being said, in his mind, from all the facts that he knows, which are not completely out of question, He's walking into a Shrieking Shack with a werewolf Mm -hmm. on the night he's supposed to transform because Snape notes that he hadn't taken his potion that night. Mm -hmm. So he's walking into the Shrieking Shack knowing that a werewolf might change at any point that night. Number one. Number two, he believes Sirius Black killed not only Peter, but killed many muggles. When he blew up the street and is a follower of Voldemort. So... He, I think, truly believes he's the hero in this situation. He's going to come in and save the three children, no matter how much he actually dislikes Ron, (laughs) Harry, and Hermione. Right. I truly think he believes he thinks he's the hero here.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, he's sweeping
1: in, and as far as the facts that he knows, I think he believes that he's saving these children. Right. uh, Which would then fulfill his uh, protecting Harry promise to Dumbledore. Right. So, in a weird roundabout way, despite the selfish motivations that he has, secondary, it's like a... He literally comes in, and I think that's why he's so triumphant, Mm -hmm. when he takes off the cloak and is like, ha-ha! Yeah. It's because it's a win-win-win-win-win for him here. Like, saves the day, saves these children, gets to get one over on Lupin and Sirius, Puts a murderer back in jail. And possibly opens up the Defense Against the Dark Arts job for... Like, he is winning across the board here. Oh, yeah. Like, he must be so overjoyed. And all of his thoughts and reasonings aren't too far off of the truth. I, I mean, the end result is off, obviously. Yeah. But his connections are not terribly wrong no like everything he knows lines up to have his result
2: yeah
1: snape's a fun character in this chapter kind of to just kind of pick apart right um and the idea that oh well again this is spoilers so snape being a death eater and being like a very close connection with voley himself wouldn't he know that Sirius? Is a spy, or who is the spy, or Peter was a spy, for that matter. Right. Um. As close to the chest as Dumbledore is, Voldy plays a lot of things close to the chest himself. And I don't know that he divulged all of his plans to all of his Death Eaters, even the ones that are in his inner circle, like the the Bellatrixes and the dollahoffs and the you know whatever. Uh, Anna will like that I got Dahlhoff into a podcast. Um, <laughs> but, so no, he wouldn't necessarily know who that spy was.
2: Yeah.
1: Or to what end game that spy was being played. Right. Um, All he knows is that, as far as that whole thing goes, he was the one that informed Voldemort of the, the prophecy itself. Yeah. That's all he really knows about it. Yeah. Right? As far as I'm aware? I think so. So, um, so he obviously has his own part to play, hence wanting to come through for Lily. Hence the promise to Dumbledore to protect Harry. Hence him coming into the Shrieking Shack. And, oh. and all
0: wands ablazing. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> Sparks coming out of the wand a little bit. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> Snape's got a lot going on in his head. And he really, I truly believe he 100% thinks he's the hero here.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah.
1: But I don't know. It's just interesting. A lot of people will come at me and probably be like, oh, uh, protecting Harry thing. There's no way he was, you know, coming in there with a thought of protecting Harry. And I'm not saying that was his first thought. Right. I'm just saying it was a thought.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, I think it's a bundle of mixed emotions. I mean, running into two people that, well, yeah, two people that basically tormented you throughout your adolescent Mm ears, you know on top of all of the history of lily and oh for sure protecting harry but at the same time harry being you know seeing james and harry it's a very heated
1: situation i think you can almost take a little bit of the protecting harry thing from some of his quotes like he could come at harry a lot harder than he does right and it's because he's yelling at him and you know, calling him a fool and all these things. Or you were played like a fool. And Snape's just like, just get out. Yeah. Just get out of here. Right. Like, let me deal with these. You go. Right. And Harry takes it as like a dismissive, I'm a student thing. And, right. And I, obviously he has no idea at this time right. that Snape's... You can't tell me that there is 0% of Snape that's like, I got to protect this kid from a werewolf and a murder. Yeah. Like, I get he has a lot of personal... Right. Stuff that he's got to take care of right now, right? But you can't tell me that zero percent of Snape is like, I got to protect this kid from these dangerous individuals, right? So, but yeah, I don't know. I just found it super fascinating.
0: Yeah, he's a great character.
1: We are gonna stop it here, and hopefully, enjoyed the conversation. We talked a whole lot about a lot of different things, and (laughs) a lot about werewolves and Snape and all kinds of different things. So, we hope you enjoyed. And we will see you next week for Chapter 20. Molly's going to be back with us. I
0: am. It's another short
1: chapter. It's like yeah. a really condensed short chapter. So
0: Yeah, it did give me some feels, though.
1: All right. Well, yeah. uh, I'm excited for, the, for Chapter 20, and we'll be right back. So for Molly, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.